0: Luke chapter 6, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Plain. You're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon on the Plain. It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I believe Jesus taught a version of the sermon in many different places, and we have two of those sermons recorded in Scripture, one by Luke, one by Matthew. I don't believe they're the exact same sermon. There's there's differences in them, but they teach the same message. They open with, this is what it means to be happy or blessed. We're used to hearing the word blessed. It's the word happy, not in the fleeting happiness of, I just saw a good movie or had a yummy sandwich happy, but that happiness we're all longing for. And really, it's what drives and motivates all of us All of what we do is because we think happiness will ensue. Uh, The decisions we make and the things we chase after, the people that we associate with, we believe will bring happiness into our lives. Even people who might say they get up in the morning trying not to be happy, I guess they're happy not being happy. They're pursuing happiness in their own way. So Jesus doesn't come into the world and say, look, you need to stop trying to be happy. And unfortunately, somehow that message has made it out into evangelical pulpits. And nothing could be further from the truth. God is interested in your happiness. It brings him much glory when we're happy in Jesus. But that's the point. Are you happy In Jesus, are you happy with God? Have you come to the realization that only through a right relationship with God will I ever find truly lasting happiness? He is the source of happiness and blessing. And chasing after anything in this world apart from God is foolishness. It will not lead to lasting happiness and blessing. And so, Jesus is teaching the world a completely different way to attain happiness. He then goes on to describe the kind of life of happiness and what that would look like day to day. And of course, he's not exhaustively teaching, here's what you need to do exactly in each aspect of life every day he's painting in broad strokes and last week we heard him say things like love your enemies Wow, that right there you could just take that one teaching and work on it for the rest of your life here right that is hard to do love your enemies Um, turn the other cheek when you're insulted publicly you don't need to get revenge if somebody takes from you, it's okay. We didn't say that was a command from Jesus to let people steal from you, but if somebody needs something from you and takes it and they don't give it back, what, what, what's it to you in the long run? Don't become bitter. Don't become vindictive. Be generous. Everything you have is from God, and He's given you His Son and eternal life, Who cares if your neighbor didn't return the rake? Why do we let those things tear us up inside? And so we get to this strange portion in the middle of the sermon today where it seems like he completely switches gears and out of left field, he says, let me uh, tell you a parable a blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? So, What is this all about? And it seems out of place, and it seems like it's disrupting the flow of the sermon. And some commentators have said that the Sermon on the Mount is like Jewish wisdom literature. It's, it's a, l- little wisdom a little bit of wisdom on this topic, and a little bit of wisdom on this topic, and a little bit of wisdom on this topic but that it doesn't all really tie together. It's like Jesus is saying, and now when it comes to this, let me teach you about this. I disagree. The whole sermon flows together. God is a God of order, and we just need to pause and connect the dots. It's not some random teaching. Jesus is anticipating that What he is teaching is so diametrically opposed to what the world's teaching that the false teachers of the world are going to rise up and say, no, don't listen to this guy, he's wrong. Listen to us, follow us. For sure, the Sadducees and Pharisees and chief priests and elders and scribes are going to be opposed to Jesus' teaching. Their power is on the line. Their influence is on the line. He's coming in and saying, everything these guys have ever taught you, it's wrong. It's deadly wrong. They don't know God, and they don't know the way to God, and they don't know Happiness. not to make a direct comparison between Jesus and our new president, but in like fashion to get up during an inaugural and say, hey, the whole system's corrupt and they've let you down while the whole system's sitting behind you. is pretty bold. And there's going to be opposition. People are polite. Nobody's going to get up in the middle of the speech. But look what happened this week. Hundreds of thousands of people marching. The swamp doesn't want to be drained. The difference, though, between our new president and Jesus is, one could argue that the new president is also part of the system. And false teachers often think, no, I'm not the problem, I'm the solution. Every good teacher, every good Christian teacher needs to start with, with the exception of Jesus, needs to start with, I am fallen. I am a sinner. I need Jesus to redeem me. I need the truth. Let's find this truth together in Jesus. And so we pray that God, as He's always done throughout history, will surround our leaders with Christian voices. We can pray that. Paul says to pray that, right? To lift up our leaders. Some people think that you can overemphasize doctrine, that's a doctrine. Let me say that again. Some people say some churches overemphasize doctrine. Oh, you put so much emphasis on doctrine and it's going to divide people. But that's a doctrine, that's a belief. If that's what you believe, then you better find in the scriptures where it says, don't overemphasize doctrine. In fact, I believe the scriptures teach just the opposite. You can't emphasize doctrine enough. I have heard folks in our community say, this church is known for its good teaching. Amen. I'm glad we're known for that. Then they say, but our church is, their church is known for their worship. Or our church is known for our outreach and the way we love the community. And my answer would be, Who do you worship? How do you know who God is? What is He like? Why should we worship Him? How does He want to be worshipped? You can't answer any of these questions without doctrine, without teaching. Well, we just want to love the community. What is love? Who defines love? God is love. He defines love. Read 1 Corinthians 13. well, we're just trying to live like Jesus. Well, who was Jesus? What was he like? What does it mean to live like Jesus? It all comes back to doctrine. You can't obviously just teach doctrine and then not act on it. That would be folly. But to somehow say the world doesn't need any more teaching is straight from the pit. It's Satan who says, don't listen to God. Oh, don't listen to God. Did God really say? Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then you can come up with your own doctrine, your own truth, your own right and wrong, your own path, your own righteousness, your own definition of reality, your own gender, your own sexual orientation, your own, your own, your own, your own, your own. Wasn't that what that whole march was about this week? Hundreds of thousands of people united under one cause, which is, I will be my own God. I will not be told who I am and how I will live. At this church, and we have new members class today. We'll teach you what we're about, but... Good time to go to the back of our bulletin, and it's got our church mission statement. I was just thinking about this recently because we crafted this mission statement at a pastor's retreat three, four years ago. And uh, this last weekend, uh, myself, Nathan, and Craig, and our wives went on retreat. Thank you on behalf of the staff for sending us on retreat. Such an important time for us to get a fresh perspective to lift one another up in prayer to remind ourselves that we like each other, not just as employees, but brothers and sisters in Christ and co-laborers in the kingdom, see how our families are doing, how we can help one another, see how the church is doing, where we can report back to the elders. We were here 40, 50 hours, 60 hours, sometimes a week. the eyes and ears for the elders. What's what's going on? Where are we doing well? Where do we need to um, make adjustments? Where can we do better? Where are there some threats on the horizon that we need to address? These kinds of things. And so thank you for, for that time. But it was like four years ago that we crafted a mission statement that the church is all about Jesus Easy to remember mnemonic device, A-L-L. We're all about Jesus. We adore Jesus. We worship Him by, not adore and learn and love. We adore Jesus by learning from Jesus so that we can live in love like Jesus. I know that's that's too many L's, but... It works. The, the learning helps us adore and love. Without the learning, we won't adore correctly and we won't love correctly. There's no truth without the learning. And so we do put a high um, emphasis on teaching. Because the world's filled with false teachers. And so the church must be the repository of truth. Not the church itself, but the word of God and the church faithfully teaching and preaching the word of God and teaching its people to interpret the word of God rightly and to apply it rightly. And we do that in every Sunday school class, every ABF class, every small group, every sermon We do it at the school here at HOS, equipping our students to have a biblical worldview. Not just memorize facts about God, but know where they come from and to think through them. Through ministries like Awana, Bible Bee, even Grief Share and Divorce Care. Helping people think biblically and rightly about their grief and about marriage. The Sunday school's going on right now is not childcare so you can hear the sermon. We are teaching and discipling young people. And we choose curriculum that does just that. It is not entertainment. It's all for this purpose of coming to know the truth about God and His salvation and how to live the life of blessing and happiness in Christ. And so this morning, Jesus is going to point out to us in the middle of his sermon on truth, transcendent truth, the truth of how to have happiness, how to live the happy life through a relationship with God, the life that the first Adam had before he fell. That you cannot listen to false teachers and expect to find blessing and happiness. It's folly. The title of the sermon is The Folly of Following False Teachers. And Jesus opens the sermon with uh, this portion of the sermon with this wonderfully humorous parable. A parable, a teaching designed to teach us something about spiritual truth by pointing to something in the material world that we understand. Who doesn't understand this picture? A blind man guiding a blind man. Picture it in your head with the dark glasses. And if you saw that and a big pit coming, I mean, it wouldn't be humorous. You would say, they're both going to fall in. I mean, can you imagine a blind person telling another blind person, hey, follow me, and the other blind person not knowing that the guide was blind? You're assuming he knows where he's going. Would you go to a class on financial literacy and then find out somebody is absolutely destitute, has never made a good financial decision in their life? What if you were taking a class in college or high school and you found out your teacher failed that subject repeatedly and knows absolutely nothing about it? I told this story first service about a time I was at the dentist and the hygienist. Uh, This was back when I was a math teacher. No, I was a pastor here, but I I said I still teach math here at HOS. I teach one period a day. And uh, she said, oh, were you good at math when you were in school? I said, yeah, it it was one of my favorite subjects. And then she starts working on my mouth so you can't answer, right? And she says, you know, the really good math teachers are the ones who struggled with math. Because they, they're the only ones who can understand what the kids are going through. And I'm like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Did you just say I would be a horrible math teacher because I'm good at math? And so by the time she said rinse and spit, I said, hey, can I ask you a question? Were you good at cleaning your teeth when you were a kid? She connected the dots. oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean you. <laughs> Why would we listen to somebody who doesn't know the truth about the subject we're studying? It makes no sense. Can a blind man guide another blind man? And when it comes to the way to heaven, everybody's blind. Nobody's been there except the Son. He knows the way. He is the way, he says. He knows the way so much better than everyone else that he just says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Stop listening to these jokers. They don't know. What makes you think they know? I only know what to tell you today because the one who's been there has told me and he's told you through his word as recorded by the apostles. The apostles didn't know until Jesus told them. So our world is filled with false teachers, and the message this morning is stop listening to them. They don't know. They can't know. They're blind. Don't be like the first Adam who decided not to listen to God. I was asking uh, Nathan as I was prepping the sermon, and I said, hey, which uh, book in the New Testament talks about false teaching? It was a trick question. And he's like, hmm, which book doesn't? Bingo. Every single book of the New Testament either warns against false teaching or corrects false doctrine. Every single book. Every single one. You think it's important to God? Oh, that's just Paul. No, it's it's all of them. Every book. And then I asked him a follow-up question. So what's the first passage in the Bible on false teaching? And he got that one right, too. Genesis 3, right? Yeah, Satan, first false teacher. Did God really say you would die? Nah, he meant you'd have your eyes open like God and you would know good and evil. That's what false teachers do. They take you away from the truth. So don't be like the first Adam, be like the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh as fully God but fully man and said, not only will I show you how to listen to the truth, I can also teach you the truth. I know the truth. I've always existed. I am the truth. I'm the word made flesh. He knows because he and the Father are one. And not only is he teaching us the truth, but he lived the truth for us because he knew we couldn't perfectly live it on our own. And so by putting our faith in Christ, we get his righteousness. So he's not only the true teacher who points us to truth, he is the truth and has lived the truth, and he gives us the power to know the truth and live the truth. He he is the true teacher, but he's so much more than that. I can't give you eternal life but i can point you to the one who can jesus christ he's better than just a guide he is the life we're looking for the truth and the life we're all looking for and the happiness isn't a concept or a philosophy it turns out it's a person and his name is jesus christ The human race fell into sin because of a false teacher. That's where the whole conflict in the story of the Bible begins, right? Every story starts with a setting and main characters, and then eventually there's got to be a problem. Otherwise, you have no story. And the whole problem started because of a false teacher. You think this isn't a big deal? It's a huge deal. And we live in a information age where we have access to so much teaching, good and bad. It's the most wonderfully terrible thing, the Internet. Never before had so many people around the globe have access to the truth, and never before have so many people had access to so much garbage. And so as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to be even more diligent to teach. Teach. And warn people of false teachers. Jesus said this to the Pharisees in John 8. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. You wonder why he had some enemies. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. These are the people who said we are God's teachers. We are the experts. We are the religious leaders. We know the scriptures. We know God. We know what he's like. We know what makes him happy. And then God shows up in the person of Jesus Christ and they don't recognize him. In fact, they're completely opposed to him. And we're sitting here looking at the whole scene going, wow, how ironic. The people who said they knew God didn't recognize him when he showed up. He was ugly to them. Now, we're the people today telling the culture we know God we better make sure we really know Him. We better make sure that we're presenting the true God to the world. I was also talking to Nathan about the um, hit me like a ton of bricks as I was prepping the sermon that I'm teaching on false teaching as I'm teaching. It's very humbling. Oh God, I hope and pray I am not like one of these false teachers, but you've called me to teach. And so we have confidence that it can be done in a way that's pleasing to God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called anyone to teach. But we should teach in all humility and be careful with the scriptures. Satan, the original false teacher, has filled this world with his false teaching. And all false teaching comes back to this. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to God. Listen to yourself. Listen to your own heart. Listen to your dreams. Isn't that what we hear in our society? Don't let anyone tell you different. You can be whatever you want to be, you can have whatever you want to have, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. You can be whatever gender you want to be. You could be whatever sexual orientation you want to be. Marriage could be anything you want it to be. Truth can be anything you want it to be. Morality can be anything you want it to be. It can be anything you want it to be except this. Can't be this, they say. And that's how you know you're dealing with false teaching, If it doesn't start with, this is the truth, inerrant word of God, then you know you're not listening to a true teacher. All false religions of the world reject the scripture or twist the scripture. You must work your way to God is what they teach. And if you do more good than bad, God will be pleased with you. Or, God is not an actual person, he's some impersonal force. And when you die, you just get absorbed into that energy of some kind. And so, the world is teeming with countless false religions. There's the main ones, and then there's offshoots of all those false religions. But they all have the same thing in common, don't listen to the word of God. False teachers have even infiltrated the church of Christ. Jesus said this would happen. Paul said when he leaves Ephesus, wolves in sheep clothing would come in. They'd look like Christians and act like Christians and talk like Christians, but they would take you away from the truth. What are the false gospels that we're dealing with today? The prosperity gospel. God wants you to be fabulously rich. And I I, I don't mean to take the wind out of your sails this morning, as the winds. But our new president has been very influenced by the prosperity gospel. And so pray for him that the true gospel will reach his ears And he will hear it and trust it and believe it. But by his own admission, his favorite preacher is Norman Vincent Peale. The father of prosperity preaching. And sure, the man is fabulously wealthy. Of course, that's the gospel he's going to be attracted to. Blessed are the poor ain't ringing true for... Mr. Trump, word has it that Pastor Paula Kane led him to the Lord. She's a prosperity gospel preacher herself, so I'm not sure what gospel she preached to him. But again, we pray that the true gospel reaches his ears, and we should pray that for all of our leaders. We also deal with the social gospel in our country, the social gospel. It's all about economic disparity and we need to transfer the wealth from the hands of the rich to the hands of the poor. Well, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're all doomed. Whether rich or poor, hell will be filled with rich and poor who have put their faith in money. The therapeutic gospel is the one Nathan and I are most concerned about. The therapeutic gospel is Jesus is your great therapist. And whatever you think is your problem that's making you unhappy, he's here to affirm you and pat you on the back And say, I'm behind you 100% in whatever your endeavors are. And you poor thing, you've been a victim all your life. Never telling people, look, your biggest problem is you. Yes, there is sin in the world and people sin against us. And sometimes that sin is very hurtful. But... If you need an example of a sinner, look no further than the mirror. You can't do anything about anyone else. You can only do something about yourself. This is what Jesus is teaching us. It's the opposite of the therapeutic gospel. You want wholeness and healing and wellness? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so the world's filled with false religions and false gospels and even false teachers in the church, but there's a fourth source of false teaching and it's really the worst. You listening? You are your own worst false teacher. I am my own worst false teacher. Anytime I'm not listening to the word of God and I replace the word of God with my own thoughts and then preach it to my own heart all day long... I've become my own false teacher. And we all do this. You know you've done this. You might be doing this right now. Your mind drifted and you're thinking about how unhappy you are because your family doesn't treat you in a certain way or you're loathing going to work tomorrow, Monday morning. And you're looking at other people and you're like, how come I can't have nice clothes like they do? Or who knows what it is that you're thinking. And you preach it to your heart. You become your own worst false teacher. And yet at the same time, in Christ, he gives you the power to be your own preacher. Jesus preaches to you from his word and the Holy Spirit illuminates your mind so you understand the truth and then you preach it to your heart. And that's how we change. And Paul says in Romans 7 that we've got the flesh and its false teaching and the new man in Christ and its good teaching and they're preaching sermons at us all day long. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to? Who will deliver me, he says. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this bondage? Praise be to God. In and through Jesus Christ, I can win this battle. And so there's hope this morning. In this sea of confusion and false teaching, truth is like a beacon of light, like a lighthouse. And and we just follow that beam. And we can know the truth and live the truth and teach the truth. Jesus has given us that confidence in the scriptures. So a couple warnings here from Jesus about false teachers. Warning number one their teaching leads to false beliefs. That almost seems like it doesn't need to be stated, but it does, because we're that dense. If you listen to false teaching, you will become like the teacher. And I'm not just talking about showing up for a sermon. You listen to the world long enough, you will become like the world. You saturate yourself in ungodly entertainment and you will eventually, it will stick. You become like your teacher. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. What is teaching you? Who is teaching you? What do you fill your mind with during the week? What happens after the sermon Sunday? Do you go to other Bible studies? Are you in a small group? Do you open the word of God in the morning? Do you listen to podcasts from other preachers? Are you saturating your mind with truth? Don't be deceived. You will become like your teachers. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, Jesus said. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Oof. You should care about who your teachers are listening to. Who does your pastor read? Who does your Sunday school teacher listen to? We need to hold each other accountable in this area. Second warning, beware of false teachers because their teaching leads to hypocrisy, saying one thing but doing the other. Jesus uses another entertaining, hilarious illustration. Hilarious if it wasn't so sad that false teachers are so busy trying to pick the speck out of one another's eyes that they missed the telephone pole sticking out of their own. This word for log, uh, a plank, a huge beam that would be used to support a roof, it's, it's exaggeration for effect. And so he's telling us something about true teachers then. True teachers are those who recognize their own fallenness and their own limitations And they're suspicious of their own sin nature, and so they're careful, and they're humble. And they say things like, look, we're all fallen, and we need to figure this out together. We need to go to God's word together. You need to hold me accountable, I need to hold you accountable. False teachers have this bravado and self-righteousness. You need correction, I, I don't need correction. I'm the teacher. You're the student. I'm the counselor. You're in my office. I didn't come to yours. Be suspicious of those teachers and counselors. Every good Christian teacher should have a healthy awareness of their own weakness. And learn to be suspicious of their own ideas. Hey, let me run that by some other Christians. Let me run that by another pastor. Let me run that by my wife. She'll be honest. (laughs) Ask your kids, how am I doing? And so the Pharisees were like this. They didn't need forgiveness. They didn't need teaching. They didn't need correction. Only the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, doesn't need teaching and correction. All other shepherds are just under-shepherds. And the most effective under-shepherds are those who first and foremost realize, I ain't it. I'm not the end-all, be-all of Christian doctrine. I had all week to prepare the sermon. That's the only reason that I'm up here and you're not. you could arrive at the same truths that I arrived at, and I hope we would land in the same place because we're reading the same scripture. But we've designated, according to the scriptures, some are called to be pastors. So I answer that call, and by the grace of God, I, I teach. But I also learn all week long. And keep learning. And as soon as you say, I'm done learning, something's wrong. We're going to be learning for all eternity. And so beware of false teachers. Their teaching always leads to hypocrisy. You know, this this gathering of these protesters getting up to protest Trump's vulgarity. And they pick Madonna to give the keynote address. You've got to be kidding me, right? One of the most vulgar public figures this world has ever seen. Uh, Madonna, get the log out of your eye. Good golly. How much more inside the church didn't we need to be aware of this? You need teachers who know that they need to get the log out of their eye. Number three, beware of false teachers. Their teaching always leads to bad fruit. You want good fruit in your life. The Holy Spirit, the best teacher of all, produces good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? This is the fruit that we want. Humility, righteousness, love for others, peace that passes all understanding. There's no good tree which produces bad fruit. Nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. You understand this is a generalization. It doesn't mean that good Christian people don't sometimes produce a rotten apple every once in a while, right? But in general, the pattern of our lives should be such that good fruit is coming out of our lives. So, False teachers cannot produce the good fruit in your life that you're looking for. They can't do it. They don't have the words of eternal life. We can't produce good fruit on our own. We need to be changed from the inside out by the word of God. We need to be reborn. We need to be regenerated. We need a whole new root if we want good fruit. All false teachers can do is teach you to pretend for a little while. But that's not the kind of fruit that God wants us to have. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. You listen to a teacher long enough, eventually you'll know. Any teacher can fake it for a little while. can fake it for a little while. But look at the pattern of his life and look at the pattern of those who are listening to his or her teaching. That's the test. Finally, Jesus says, beware of false teachers because their teaching leads to destruction. I'm taking this from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. In fact, this was the first sermon I ever heard That was an exposition, an explanation of Scripture. Growing up in a church, never really remember hearing a sermon where the pastor explained the Scriptures. And uh, when Jennifer and I went back to church, praise God, he brought us to a church that reads the Scriptures, explains the Scriptures. And this was the first sermon I ever heard. And what was crazy was when I heard, Enter Through the Narrow Gate... I said, well, that can't be right. The gate's wide. Because Jennifer and I, you know, we were UCLA graduates where we were told all truth is truth. Whatever is true to you is true to you. And whatever path you want to be on is the right path. And we majored in it and got our diplomas in it. And then we go back to church and the preacher's saying, Enter by the narrow gate. And I'm like, what? The gate's wide. And the rest of the verse says, The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. And I was offended. My flesh was offended. I didn't know what flesh was, but my flesh was offended because I had been told my whole life, That's narrow-minded. And you can't talk that way to people. But they had printed the scriptures in the bulletin, and I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, that's what it says. Where has this been my whole life? I've never heard this in church. I was in a, in a liberal church. I just didn't know what liberal was. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I remember being offended and we went home and she said, well, what would you think of the church? And I said, well, I'll go back next week and hear what this guy has to say. You know, like I was sitting in judgment over this guy who knew the scriptures w- way better than I, I didn't know anything about the scriptures. But I had that attitude like, yeah, I'll come back, see if this guy, what he's got to say. Maybe I'll go up afterwards and correct him. <laughs> right. But the, the the word of God had its way with me. Amen. The word of God had its way with me. Praise God for a true, faithful teacher in my life. Pastor Duell, St. Peter's Lutheran Church, Elk Grove, California. Want to hear something crazy? My parents were here for a service. They they drove home, so any complaints too late. Uh, they're looking for a new church you know that they're looking for true sound doctrine and they went to a Lutheran church in Stockton and the pastor is the son of the pastor who preached the first sermon expositional sermon I ever had isn't only God could do something like that you know the father taught the son, and now the son's teach you the father. You know, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. I don't know if they'll end up at that church, but wow. Uh, they they, they may very well, and I would be thrilled. Um, so how could you spot a false teacher? There's, there's, there's other tests, but Jesus gives us one here. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You're looking at the pattern of a teacher's life and the pattern of the life of the people who follow their teaching. It's so tangible. It sounds good, but does it produce good? This great quote, uh, the conservative writer Thomas Sowell, retired recently, uh, economist and uh, writer on culture, And he said the last 60 years of liberalism has been an exercise of replacing that which works with that which sounds good. If Jesus' teaching doesn't produce good fruit, then what's the point? And it does. And so that's a test of... False teachers. Oh, they sound good and they have a way with words and they can pump you up and get you all excited and emotional. But is there good fruit? Or are they laughing all the way to the bank? And it takes a while to see the fruit. And again... Everybody can fake it for a little while, but no one can live a continued pattern of humility and good fruit if they don't have the Holy Spirit. It, it just won't happen. Look at the care, uh, qualifications for eldership in First Timothy and Titus. It's so much of it is fruit. The character of a man's life, the way he lives his life, and that takes time to see what kind of man you're dealing with. And so they say, don't rush to lay hands on a new believer. Make sure you know the pattern of his life. Not looking for perfect men, we're looking for humble men who produce good fruit in their own families first and then in the family of God. And yes, he should be able to teach. That's a qualification also. But it's amazing that apt to teach is, is one short part of the qualifications, and the rest are fruit. We're looking for this kind of fruit, and definitely not this kind of fruit. And so that takes time. I invite you, no, not invite, I insist that you examine my life as your teacher. Because I'm examining yours. And that's the way it should work. I'm not looking for you to slip up. I'm looking to encourage you onto good works and righteousness. And where correction needs to happen, speaking truth in love. And you do the same for me. You hear me say something from the pulpit that doesn't sound right, make an appointment. Maybe you misunderstood me. Maybe I'm drifting. Now, I would think that someone other than you probably would call me if I was drifting theologically. Mr. Borsier here, Mr. Heiner, Mr. Bauer. Somebody's coming into my office the next... They're not even waiting for Monday. Did you say... Did I? There's... And so, we're looking for good fruit. Who are you listening to other than me? I'm only here one Sunday, uh, you know, a couple hours, one Sunday a week. You can't just hear the sermon. You've got to read the Word of God. You have to study the Word of God. You need to be in some kind of small group, Bible study. Put some sermons on your phone and, and... Listen to them in the car, you saturate your mind with truth. I'm preaching to myself here. I could get sucked into reading political commentary all day long, and it 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 just gets your eye off the prize and makes you bitter and frustrated and yeah. But whenever I hear the Word of God preached, I never feel that way. I'm never bitter and frustrated. Always energized and filled with hope and conviction and encouragement. Jesus has called us all to make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. We're all called to teach and you can't teach if you don't have the truth and if you don't live the truth. You're, You're disqualified. And so the answer isn't to say, then I just won't teach. That sounds too hard. No, you're teaching whether you know it or not. Every time you open your mouth... And every time you live your life, you are teaching. So, study the Word of God so you can be an approved worker, not ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of Truth and rightly living the Word of Truth. And then get involved with teaching. I have a personal conviction that everybody in some way, shape, or form should be teaching little children. And there's plenty of opportunities in this church to teach children. It's not, that's where I teach. I think it's a, well, of course you teach children. Where else do you teach? The scriptures make it clear that we're to pass the faith on to the next generation. It's not an optional thing. And if you don't know more than a child, then something's wrong. You can do this. So get involved with the teaching of children. But everybody should be discipling somebody as well whether formally or informally. Is there a neighbor you meet with and check in on? Is there another believer in the church? Ladies, do you go to the Friday morning Bible study and find someone younger in the faith that you can encourage? Um, So we come full circle and we say, hey, does Country Oaks put too much emphasis on teaching? (laughs) Hardly. No such thing. It's too much emphasis on teaching. Jesus was a rabbi. He's our teacher. And he teaches us the way, the truth, and the life because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's get busy learning and teaching. Father God, thank you for sending us the best teacher of all, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Teach us to love you and obey you and to trust you. Teach us to teach others. In Jesus' name, amen.